Hey, everyone. Before we get going, a quick thanks to Backblaze for supporting HowSound. Backblaze provides unlimited cloud backup for Macs and PCs for just $5 a month. You can back up your documents, your music, your photos, your videos, drawings, projects, podcasts, everything, really. It's easy to restore lost work from Backblaze. They'll even ship flash keys or hard drives to your door. Backblaze has 500 petabytes of data under management, and 28 billion files have been restored by Backblaze users. You can receive a fully featured 15-day trial at backblaze.com slash howsound. Go there. Play with it. Start protecting yourself from potential bad times. Start today. This is How Sound, the backstory to great radio storytelling. How Sound comes to you from PRX and Transom. I'm Rob Rosenthal. First and foremost, a big shout out to Chenjerai Kumanyika. Chenjerai and the crew at Uncivil just won a Peabody Award. Amazing. Uncivil is a podcast from Gimlet. As they put it, the show ransacks the official version of the Civil War. Chenjerai was a co-host and the executive producer of the podcast. Here's the opening to the first episode of Uncivil, the episode that won the Peabody. It's called The Raid. The initial voice you'll hear is Chenjerai's co-host, Jack Hitt. Stories about Civil War monuments have been in the news all summer. But the monument that bothers us the most doesn't feature Robert E. Lee or the Confederate flag. In fact, it features Abraham Lincoln. That's about, how high is that, maybe 20 feet? Yeah, probably about 20 feet. Lincoln is kind of looking down on us, his hand is extended. Got this black man on his knees in front of Lincoln, maybe trying to stand up or rise. Still got a shackle around his arm. It looks like maybe the, the, the enslaved person might be shining Lincoln's shoes or something. The statue is called the Freedmen's Memorial. It's in Washington, D.C., put up in 1876. It's so much in the statue. I mean, the, the man... The, the freed man who may be rising, he's got a broken chain on his arm, but he's dressed like a, he's only got like a, a loincloth. He, otherwise, he is, he is absolutely naked. Meanwhile, Abraham Lincoln is in a full 19th century dress coat, pants, boots. Lincoln is still standing over the dude, and in a way... This doesn't really give any credit or represent the agency of black people in freeing themselves. Black people were trying to free themselves, rebel from slavery before the Civil War even started. I hate this statue. (laughs) (laughs) I hate it, too. I'm Jack Hitt. And I'm Chinjirai Kumanyika. This is Uncivil. Where we ransack America's history and discovered that the past is never really past. That's the opening scene of The Raid from Uncivil. I interviewed Chenjirai for How Sound several weeks ago, long before the announcement of the Peabody. We talked about finding his voice for radio, who he wants to be when he's behind the mic. He says dialing in his voice was not easy, but with his work on Uncivil, he thinks he's found it. You know, this whole journey really started with Transom and uh, with your advice to to talk about this issue of my voice, right? (laughs) Back in 2014, Chenjirai was on break from his teaching job at Clemson University, and he took a workshop with Transom, a one-week workshop on Catalina Island. Just like the other students in the class, Chenjirai produced a story about someone who lived on the island. And as part of that process, he learned to use recording equipment, 
conduct interviews, gather sound, mix and edit, write scripts like the whole nine yards. Everything was going just fine until he sat down with me to record his narration. It wasn't until that moment of narration that I realized that I didn't really understand, A, what my voice was, how to bring the kind of person I am and the, and the kind of voice that I represent into my radio making. Well, what did you mean by that, that you didn't sound like yourself? What were you hearing that didn't sound quite right? You know, part of it was what I heard on tape, but a big part of it was what I was hearing in my head. You know, I think that all of us, especially if you listen to public radio all the time, you hear, you as I do, right? I'm a total public radio junkie. Um, I... You, you just have voices that are like the standard voices. For me, some of those voices were um, people like Ira Glass or somebody like Sarah Koenig or I was a big, you know, and then, and I had listened for years, I'd listened to Terry Gross. Those are the voices I was used to hearing. And, you know, I don't sound like that. I'm a rapper uh, for one, uh, uh, like all black males between the ages of 18 and 50. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh no i so so i just have a i have a different way of speaking and so i think it was subconscious before that moment i was orienting myself toward those voices like those voices are what sound right those voices are what sound authoritative or like someone who's actually giving you the news or something important um or even something vulnerable and emotional i mean because ira's Ira's voice and a lot of the voices that I think you've seen in podcasting are more emotional, but it's this emotion as communicated through, just to put it overly simply, white people. And those were the voices in your head when you sat down in front of the microphone to narrate your story about the tuna fisherman. That's right. And then when I listened back to it, I was like, yeah, that doesn't sound like me. John Towski can't shake the moment he lost a 50-pound white sea bass. Well, of course, you know, the ones that got away stay with you for a long time. It was before sunrise, and he was alone. You don't have any help. You don't have a, an extra guy to put the gaff in the fish. You've got to kind of do it all yourself, which is the ultimate challenge. And then the moment every fisherman waits for. Yeah, I had a nice fish, a nice white sea bass. And it may have been one of the biggest sea bass that I'd ever seen, well over 50 pounds. And uh, in the process, he got a good head shake, broke off, looked back at me, said, sorry about that, buddy, and off he went. For John, losing a fish is no small thing, because John is a fisherman with a capital F. That was literally my first recorded real piece of radio. So it was, I think we accomplished a lot just getting that done <laughs> and perfecting the voice wasn't one of those things. Um, but in a week's time, I was, I was, I think it would be arrogant to expect that you could almost do more, right? That you're just going to like nail it the first time. So what exactly are you hearing in your voice at that moment? What's, what's off about it? I'm hearing a certain, you know, a stiffness. I don't know. I mean, I think I'm somebody who has, you know, uh, there's like a. It's hard to put language exactly on what it is about rappers voices, but, you know, there's the way we say certain words. 
think I have a little bit of that left. I mean, I, I'm constantly code switching between like the academy and like maybe something activism related and then something radio related. So I have a, there's a lot of ways I speak, but I didn't hear really any of those things at all in my thing. I just heard this stiff guy who sounded like a bad version of a public radio reporter. When I got home from the workshop, I mentioned my conversation with Chenjirai to my colleagues here at Transom, and they asked him to write about the issue for the website. But they also asked him to make a new recording, to rewrite and re-narrate the opening of the tuna fisherman story to sound more like himself. John Towski can't shake the moment he lost a 50-pound white sea bass. Well, of course, you know, the ones that got away stay with you for a long time. It was before sunrise and he was alone. You don't have any help. You don't have an extra guy to put the gaff in the fish. You've got to kind of do it all yourself, which is the ultimate challenge. And then the moment every fisherman waits for. Yeah, I had a nice fish, a nice white sea bass. And it may have been one of the biggest sea bass that I'd ever seen, well over 50 pounds. And uh, in the process, he got a good head shake, broke off. Look back at me, said, sorry about that, buddy, and off he went. See, what you might not understand is that for John, losing a fish is no small thing. John is a real fisherman. I mean, this guy's caught hundreds of fish in his lifetime and spent tens of thousands of hours on the water. How was it different? What are we hearing in the second clip, the rewritten and revoiced one, that sounds more like Chen I think it's a little deeper. Um, I think I was more relaxed. And so I feel like I played my voice a little bit more like an instrument in the way that I would if I was just, you know, if you and I were kicking back having a drink, you know, and I'm going to slow certain things down and pause in certain ways and just, you know, like the the sort of like tension, like here's John Towski, blah, blah, blah. Like that's going to be gone. I'm just going to be like, man, you know, this guy, you know, he was, he was a fisherman, you know, it's like, it's, it's really in there. I had, there was some things that were rewritten, I think that I rewrote uh, and took out some of the really, uh, some of the lines that didn't work like fisherman with a capital F or something like that. (laughs) Um, And so I think writing, I realized also in just in writing that piece, you know, you already start to see how, the writing is a, is a really important part of your voice. After Transom published Chenjirai's piece, NPR picked up the story. This conversation about the sound of public radio caught our attention. What do you hear, the voices of those journalists, what do you hear? I hear um, middle-aged white dudes who sound like they just drank some really warm coffee. That's A.D. Carson talking with his friend Chenjirai Kumanyika. Kumanyika loves public radio. Carson... Not so much. Like, it, it sounds like the whole joint is, is, is recorded in the back of Barnes & Noble. That exchange was part of an essay Kumanyika posted this month on the public radio website Transom. It was called Vocal Color in Public Radio. We invited him to share his thoughts and tell us about his experience last summer at a Transom workshop when he got a turn at the microphone. My piece was about a fisherman who manages the tuna club of Avalon. But while editing my script aloud, I realized I was also imagining another voice, one that sounded more white, saying my piece. Without being directly told, people like me learn that our way of speaking isn't professional, and you start to imitate the standard or even hide the distinctive features of your own voice. 
This is one of the reasons that some of my black and brown friends refuse to listen to some of my favorite radio shows, despite my most passionate efforts. This really affected me as I was producing my transom piece. Sometimes I speak in the voice I'm using right now, but as a hip-hop artist, I use a very different voice. Check out this verse I wrote right after I found out that no one would be indicted for Eric Garner's death. I can't breathe, hear my brother dying. Every day another name, another mother crying, oh Lord. Now so the question is, how can I bring that kind of voice into my efforts as a radio producer? Right Now compare that to how I sounded on my first piece for the Transom Workshop. For John, losing a fish is no small thing. Because John is a fisherman with a capital F. Fisherman with a capital F. What does that even mean? So what bothers me most is the way I'm inhabiting my own personality. My voice sounds too high and all the rounded corners of my slang are squared off. It's like I don't even recognize myself. It's like, who am I? Did you sound more like you wanted to sound on that essay? Or was it because it was for you know, the mothership, NPR, <laughs> you know, did you, did you bring Chenjirai's public radio voice to the, to the microphone? Well, I think that, you know, a big part of what I think has become my voice in public radio is that I talk about politics very explicitly and talk about um, politics that often have to do with race. And that's an area that I'm, that I have some confidence in. And also, you know, I mean, I'm an activist, so there's sometimes a little bit of, you know, there's a little heat and anger that I bring to it that you might not typically hear from a journalist in, in public media because, you know, it's important for journalists to try to have some kind of standard of objectivity. Like there's such a thing as a fact, you know, and and those kinds of things. So I think I, and the reason I say that is because by the time I got to the MP, I had written the transom piece and I saw how people responded to it, you know, and I saw how many people have this sort of insecurity or these politics about their voices, right? I just got feedback from people from the transcend piece who were like, you know, women, especially who had been coached in ways that they felt weren't helpful and made them second guess themselves and just people from all different with all different kinds of accents. And so it just really started a conversation and that gave me a lot of confidence. And so by the time I arrived at NPR, one element of my voice that you hear in that piece is there's more confidence um, there also was, I was produced by Alicia Montgomery and people who had, had, were kind of part of the code switch team. They were coaching me as I was doing it, as I was reading the piece in particular. I mean, just kind of saying, no, I want you to say it again, say it like that. And, you know, they understood that there was some, there was a little bit of anger in there, you know, and they knew when to, they were encouraging me to say, yeah, you know, it's bring that out more. Eventually, Chenjirai worked with John Bewin. John produces a podcast called Seen on Radio. Chenjirai was a contributor to a series on that podcast called Seeing White, which, by the way, was nominated for a Peabody. And evidently, because Chenjirai is now on this podcast, How Sound will, will be the next to win a Peabody, I'm sure, right? Well, anyway, for Seen on Radio, Chenjirai was more of a source than a reporter. So since he wasn't reading narration, he could just be himself answering questions and such. It wasn't until Uncivil that he started narrating again. Here's another clip from The Raid. Again, Jack Hitt, Chendrai's co-host, is the first voice. Now, imagine you're one of the plantation owners. You get up at 5 o'clock in the morning like you always do, walk over to the window, and what do you see? Hundreds of uniformed black soldiers heading straight towards you. 
We actually found a letter from one of these plantation owners. His name was Joshua Nichols, and he wrote to the local paper describing what happened. When he sees the soldiers, he panics and calls together all his faithful slaves. He actually used the word faithful. <laughs> yeah, let me read this part. My house servants stood all around me, professing the utmost detachment and their perfect willingness to obey my commands. I ordered them to follow me and take to the woods. They all professed a willingness to do so, but not one made a sign of moving. So I was forced to fly to the woods for protection. <laughs> so picture that scene. Nichols turns to his slaves and says, the union is coming. Let's go. And they're like, yeah, you first. It's like when those gumbos showed up, the power dynamic switched up so fast, Nichols can't catch up. He really thinks his slaves are going to follow his ass? These folks are looking at those same black soldiers, and what they see is freedom. And then Nichols sees something else. Here's what he says in the letter. I saw the enemy come up to my house, and in a very short time, it was set on fire. Yeah. Now Nichols was really panicked. So here's how he puts it. The Negroes, men and women, were rushing to the boat with their children, now and then greeting someone whom they recognized. They were utterly transformed drunk with excitement and capable of the wildest excesses. The roaring of the flames, the barbarous howls, the blowing of horns, the harsh steam whistle, and the towering columns of smoke made an impression on my mind which can never be effaced. Is that you? Did you find your voice finally? <laughs> I, yeah, I, I, think I, I think I definitely found, yeah, I would say my voice, or this is the, this is representative of how I'm going to be when I'm on the radio. Chandroy says one reason he sounded like himself on Uncivil is that notion of conviction again. Stories about race, history, and economics, like the ones on Uncivil, are right in his wheelhouse. And then there was the writing. Once we had the scripts together, I would really take time to write those and rewrite those to put them in my voice. If there was something in there that sounded crazy, I knew that the team would raise a question about it. You know, so... I don't know how you are, Rob, but when I'm saying something that I feel is really well written, it's like I can say it with more conviction because I just feel like I'm nailing it. You know what I mean? When I've already have a, you know, some a guide there with the script and it's really well written and revised, then what I can do is I can pause. I can think about how to use silence. I can think about, you know, how, how to bring more emotion into it, how to bring more energy to it. What it sounds like you're saying is you figured out how to answer the following question in order to sound like you. Who's Chenjirai the storyteller? Oh, wow. What a, what a, what a more succinct way of saying what I just said. <laughs> I agree. Yeah, that's, that's, that's 100% the case. I mean, I think it's Chenjirai the storyteller. And I think that the truth is, is that what I'm reaching for is moments where I know I told a story well. And, you know, for me, as I mentioned, that my Chindurai, the storyteller, has has components that other storytellers may not have. But I have, you know, for me, there's a certain kind of political analysis that's there, a certain kind of humor that's there. I want people to understand that some of the things I'm talking about are outrageous. But I want to com communicate a, a compassion, fundamental compassion for people. I often say I'm really hard on systems, but really a little bit easier on people and com more compassionate to people. And I want that to come through. So there's all those elements of Chenjirai the storyteller. He says when he's in front of the mic narrating and he's not Chenjirai the storyteller, he can tell. It registers in his body. I kind of feel it like an annoyance in my chest or something. It's like a just feeling of like, ah, you know, like if somebody poked me or something. And I'm just like, nah, I wouldn't, I can't say that. If it starts nagging at me, 
sometimes when it nags at me, it probably is a sign that I wouldn't say this. Like, fisherman with a capital F. <laughs> In addition to the conviction and the writing, Chenjerai says revising scripts is important. Super important. Dig in and make sure you write like you talk. I'm going to revise it like 20 times, you know. One more thing, the team at Uncivil also helped him become Chenjerai the storyteller. It was kind of almost a giving up of control because now, you know, my members of my team, they know what a, a good episode of Uncivil sounds like. And they could tell me, Chenj, you're not hitting it. You know, maybe you're a little tired. You need to give step up and give it more energy. Or would you say that? You sound weird saying that, you know, and that 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 was that's actually a great moment to get to when you have a team dynamic like that where you know, other folks are really listening in and saying, hey, you don't sound like yourself. (laughs) Radio producer, academic, artist, activist, and guy who clearly found his storytelling self, Chenjerai Kumunyika. Chenjerai now teaches in the communication department at Rutgers. He also has some important thoughts about writing and speaking to your audience, as well as who the audience is for Uncivil. I put those up at the post for this episode of How Sound at transom.org. Okay, brace yourself. Check out the new website from PRX. They have really done it up. Holy smokes, it's beautiful. PRX.org. And just so you know, if you're like me and you like to comb through PRX to listen to radio stories, it's in a slightly new location. Exchange.prx.org. But look, just go to PRX.org and you'll find it all there. Right now, Transom doesn't have any week-long workshops in the calendar, like the one Chenjerai took, but we are accepting apps for our nine-week workshop on Cape Cod this fall. Head over to Transom.org for more info. This is How Sound, the backstory to great radio storytelling from PRX and Transom. Thanks to John Barth, the storyteller, for slicing and dicing my scripts, and to WCAI in Woods Hole, the radio center of the universe. I'm Rob Rosenthal. Thanks for listening.